Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our NFL draft preview ahead of the Combine continues on Friday. Uh, Lance Reisland joined us to go through his favorite receivers. We spent a lot of time on some names to keep in mind for the Cleveland Browns. Lance is back with Mary Kay and me, and we're going to turn our attention to a couple other areas of need that Lance has identified. Uh, We're going to talk about the trenches today. We're going to talk about the defensive line. We're going to talk about the offensive line. I want to start here, Lance, uh, and and we appreciate you taking the time to do this with us again here uh, as as we get ready to head out to Indianapolis. So you and I talked and we wanted to kind of keep the specific to the Browns, specific to where they could pick. We'll obviously do some longer draft pods as we go along. But one of the things we wanted to do was really hone in on needs for the Cleveland Browns. I'm curious why you chose offensive line. As, as one of the needs on paper. I, I mean, I could make the case that the offensive line is in good shape if it's healthy, but I'm curious why you chose this as one of the needs to kind of lock in on. Well, there's a number of reasons. One is obviously health. So that's, that ties into it. And that ties into it with everybody. Um, secondly, you know, as good as those guys are inside, they're not getting any younger and year after year after year, they're producing at such a high level, but how long does that last? So you have to start thinking about in, interior stuff where they're really, really good. Secondly, is, is Jedrick Wills your answer at left tackle? You know, I don't obviously I'm not sure what that answer is. And if you move Dewan Jones over there, who is now your right tackle with Conklin having such injury issues and being up there in age? So I think it's a matter of depth and like where, you know, it's kind of like the running back position before last year, right? They're just loaded every year. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I need to, I need to, we need to get the back, we need to get back to some running backs. I just think it's start maybe time to start thinking about, and, and, and I like to do it now in terms of, then later when you have to have it, because now you can develop those guys. If you look on the defensive side of the ball, like Alex Wright, you can develop them a little bit. You don't have to have him play right away. You take a guy with raw skills, who has great feet, who has great length, who has great hands, and you can kind of mold them what you want. Um, you know, they got really, they got they great pick in Dewan Jones, but you know, a guy that you got to start thinking about in terms of with has the physical tools that you can get later in the draft that have, you know, are always around for all teams. I'm very on that note real quick. I'm very curious to see um, what uh, what Dickerson is going to to see when he looks at these offensive linemen, because sometimes I wonder, would it be prudent to swap DeWand and Jed? And I don't have any indication that they would do anything like that, especially not necessarily this year. But sometimes I think about that, like if they 
like Jed enough and feel that he has a future with this team and DeWand is the left, would that make sense? I'm just wondering what, um, what Andy Dickerson is going to see in some of these guys. Yeah. And like you're deep, you're deep till you're not. Go ahead, Lance. Well, no, I was just going to say, I think, you know, one of the things too, is I think Jed, Jed is going to, the more and more they go to pass, the more and more Jed's going to shine because he's a really, really good pass protector with really, really good feet. Where he doesn't fit in with this offensive line at times is he's not a mauler. He's not a guy who will just knock you off the football. He's a guy who will get in the way, uh, but he's a guy who has, sometimes has body, bad body language and kind of rubs people wrong because he'll, he's so talented he's able to do something, maybe not everything he needs to do at certain points of time in the game, but he's got a lot of talent. And, and if they're going to pass protect more, um, I think he'll, I think he has a chance to be really successful. If they get to, you know, the power run game, you know, he has a couple Dickerson has a couple different runs with the pulling of the tackles that I think he'll, that um, Kevin Stefanski will like a lot with the dart, the backside tackle play. So a uh, Jed's feet uh, could keep him around if he can just be consistent with his effort and body language. Okay, so all that talk about the offensive line, I don't want to talk about them yet. Let's go back to the <laughs> defensive line, and let's start there. Uh, Lance, you sent us four names and then a sleeper, just like you did for wide receivers. So let's start with name number one. Well, name number one, uh, I'm stealing from uh, Tim B. Like I want to make sure I give him credit because he's a guy I watched, but then I watched a lot after Tim said he liked him. It's a guy named Tavondre Sweat from uh, from Texas. He's six foot four. He's 362 pounds. Uh, but this is a guy who ran a, a 5.0340. So he's a guy who has great, great feet, 31 tackles last year, 21 pressures, 18 QB hurries, three QB hits. Uh, he's a mountain of a man, but he can move. And in Schwartz's scheme where he's taking gaps, um, he's he's kind of what they want Ika to be, right? A guy who's heavy but can get in a gap and doesn't necessarily need to always take on a double team because of the movement they like to create up front. But he's a guy who can move another great senior bowl uh, week. Uh, you watch him on film, his violent hands. Uh, he's a guy who's really, really uh, impressive on film. You know, I, I think that is an area that, that they, you know, they really need a dominant, dominant interior guy. I mean, like, I love Chris Jones. I just wanted to tell mm-hmm. Chris Jones, you know, you just need to, like, sign with the Cleveland Browns this offseason. He, he's incredible. But anyways, so um, I'm all about the defensive tackles. We hear about... Uh, the defensive end so much more, but a, a guy, an impactful defensive tackle can, can really make such a huge difference. Well, when you get those big body guys too, so the, you know, everybody talks about the, you know, what Schwartz likes to do. Well, regardless of how you do it, you have to occupy the double teams. Now, some defenses before, before Schwartz got here, it was holding up to those double teams and anchoring in there. Well, with Schwartz there, he's taking the gap and take, making both those guys beat you. Well, the heavier you are, the harder it is to block you when you're in a gap like that. So if you look at what Thompson does very well, or Mo Hurst does very well. He gets in those gaps. Those guys get in those gaps very well. Uh, I think Jordan Elliott really improved this year. His, uh, you know, we had talked about during camp, his body really improved. He really got thicker on the lower end. So he was able to anchor in there. Um, they're just super aggressive guys. So those guys, those defensive tackles have to be boring and they have to do it over and over and they got to let everybody else be really good. And that, you know, Dalvin Thompson does is a great job of that. Now he makes a little bit more plays than some of those guys. But in this defense, all you got to do is occupy blockers so those big guys can't run to the undersized linebackers. And, you know, I'm looking at 6'4", 362, ran a 5.05.40. Some of these guys are just absolutely terrifying with how <laughs> athletic terrifying. they are at the size that they are. Um, unbelievable. I'm sure Jim Schwartz could figure out what to do uh, with that type of player. All right, what's name number two? <clears throat> uh, name number two is a kid out of Florida State. He was at Western Michigan. His name is Braden Fisk. 
uh, great get off. He when I when I started watching his film, I got some uh, Western Michigan film, um, and then I watched his film from this year. Very very good one gap penetrator. Very very good at what Jim Schwartz likes to do in terms of getting upfield, being super aggressive, super high motor, heavy heavy hands when he gets his hands on people. Um, he needs to play lower at times, which he'll learn in the NFL. Anything he needs to improve, he just it will come with technique and, and getting your uh, you know getting your butt knocked down a little bit because those guys in the NFL are so talented and fast too. But great high motor guy had a really productive year, uh, six sacks, forty three total tackles at Florida State. Made the big jump from the MAC and uh, was very very dominant. Um, you know, anytime you're dominant in those Power Five leagues uh, in the trenches, uh, I, you know you catch somebody's eye. And I really like him on film. I think he's a perfect scheme fit for what the Browns do. And is he more of an edge guy or is, is he more of a ta- what, what? No, he'll position? be, he's, I think he's a guy in the nickel. You can move him around if you need to. I think he can play on the edge, but he'll be a guy who's in that wide three, wide five, you know, be a wide threes, uh, especially early on. I can see him playing in nickel uh, situations where he's going to come in and get in that B gap and go. Uh, he's heavy enough to play inside, uh, but talented enough and flexible enough and bendy enough to play on the edge as well. Uh, but I see him as a three technique. He's about 300 pounds now. I see him getting up to about 310, 315 and being a really super active. Uh, kind of reminds me of a little bit more of a bully kind of Taven Bryan athlete, uh, but a guy who plays the run a little bit better than Bryan played. Uh, but that kind of athletic ability. When you mentioned, and you've touched on this a little bit, when you mentioned the scheme fit with with Schwartz, when you watch a guy and, and it kind of hits you like, okay, this guy fits the scheme, what is it? What is it that you see? Well, I'm seeing get off. I'm seeing the ball is snapped. Who's off first? That's what I'm looking for. When you watch, um, you know, when I when I watch practice down there with the Browns, the first thing I wanted to see with his practice is he's always been known for being so aggressive. That doesn't come overnight. You have to teach guys to consistently be aggressive for 60 to 75 snaps a game. They'll do it for four to six, but you have to practice that way and talk that way and meetings have to be that way. So for me, it's their ability to get off the football and get their hands on that offensive lineman or get in that gap first, depending on what the scheme call is, what the you know defense is called. So what you see is you see a little bit lack. Uh, you know, it might not be always technically perfect. They'll get that right. But he's he's looking for you to get off the football first. He wants you to beat that offensive lineman off the ball first. That's why you have to deal with Miles Garrett jumping off sides because that's what they work on every day. And you have to deal with those things. That's part of it is jumping off sides because every day they're getting told you have to get off the ball. You have to get off the ball. So that's part of the deal. So um, you take the goods with the bats and that's part of it. But that's what you, that's what I look for first is that get off those guys playing downhill immediately. Okay. Let's move on to the next name. Uh, number three. And <laughs> my favorite yeah. thing on these notes is just the word. Wow. And uh, with exclamation <laughs> points, all caps. Well, you, I'm giving you, so the notes I'm giving you are actually my notes when I'm taking them. So I'm like, <laughs> so you're getting like the, uh, and so I just try to like, so when I'm talking, I kind of like, so I'm watching this guy, it's a wow factor. So first of all, he's a, he's a, uh, his name is Braylon Trice. He's 6'4", 275 out of Washington. Really liked him in the Michigan game. I liked the way he held up against that powerful Michigan run game. I always knew he could rush the passer, but like this year he had 41 total tackles. He had 70 total pressures, 70. He had 45, 49 QB hurries, 16 QB hit, uh, 15 QB hits, and six sacks. Now, the thing I like about him is that he's really position flexible, kind of a, uh, a, a Zadarius Smith kind of guy. 6'4", 275, 280 range, can play down at the three technique, can play out at the five technique. You can bump Miles and those guys down inside, depending on who you have at those ends, Alex Wright, et cetera. He's a guy who can play both now again. So now you have this position flexibility, uh, depending on down at distance, things like that. 
but a guy who has highly productive against elite talent. Big Pac-12 was as good as it got this year. Plays with great leverage and length. So not only is he tall, but he plays with great leverage. I love that. Uh, uses his hands athletically, so he usually gets his hands on the offensive lineman first. Uh, and he plays hard on every snap, and that's hard for those big guys to do, and rarely do you see him take a playoff. So just a guy I really like. I guess when you look at, when you say length, and obviously we know what length means. Again, I like to get into some of this stuff when, when we talk about these draft prospects. When you talk about leverage, is that as simple as it sounds, or are you looking for something specific? No, you're talking about, you know, ability not to get, so leverage is going to not, so you don't get moved. You don't get off your spot. You don't lose your gap integrity. You know, you talk about gap integrity. So if he's playing outside the end and there's no tight end there, he's C-gap player. So he's got to set the edge on C-gap. And he can't let anybody get outside C-gap, so he's got to keep that outside arm free. He does that by using his big, long inside arm, getting low and not letting that offensive tackle push him out of the way or hook him. And you do that by when you use that length. They always say that, you know, long arms for defensive linemen. It allows you to extend that offensive lineman. You see Miles Garrett do all the time where he can actually – peekaboo and kind of see what's going on because he's extended that offensive lineman if you look at miles garrett he does it constantly um i tweeted out in the last game when he did it in the playoff game where he's going to extend that offensive tackle and then to kind of find the ball but you can only do that if you have really strong arms if you have really long arms and you're super athletic and very few guys can do that um you know at the levels miles can but trice is a guy at, at washington is a guy who could do that because he's low and plays and extends that offensive lineman away from him is he a guy that you think could get on the field, uh, you know, even in his first season in, in the rotation? Because it's hard for these guys. I mean, we saw uh, Siaki, you know, have a hard time getting on the field. We've seen other young defensive linemen, especially in such a veteran scheme and in a, you know, on a veteran line uh, to kind of carve out a role or niche for themselves. Do you see a guy like this being able to do that? Well, we talk about the guy, Jordan Elliott. So you and I, all of us have been together for the two years of Jordan Elliott and the improvements he made this year. So you're absolutely right. So for me, offense and defensive linemen in the NFL are like sophomore or like freshman linemen in college, right? They have to, uh, you have to kind of grow into a man. It's the same thing when you go in the NFL. So when you go into college, you're an 18 year old boy, you're a 23 year old man when you leave. It's the same thing in the pro, you're an offensive lineman. These are grown men in their thirties who have been lifting weights and doing stuff. So to play at that level, you got to have a unique skill set which I think a Trice does because of the fact he can play multiple positions and because he's so long. Um, I think he's not an every down guy, but a guy who can be in the rotation, especially, you know, depending on who's back with Hurst and Elliott and who did they, and Shelby Harris and who did they decide is going to, cause that's what made them good. You went up front on both sides of the ball, but yeah, a guy like Trice because of his length um, and because of the multiple positions he can play and the energy he plays with can give you some spot duty. I don't think any, unless you're a top tier guy, it's really hard to be dominant in those first couple of years. It just is. Okay, name number four here among the defensive linemen. Uh, is, uh, Adisa Isaac from uh, Penn State. Now I kind of get into these guys, my last couple other guys that are long, long and athletic. So he's a six, uh, 6'4", 250 kid out of Penn State, uh, 33 total tackles, 31 total pressures, nine sacks. Uh, has an elite pass rush skill set. Has the best double swipe uh, that I've watched so far, and I'm about 14 or 15 defensive linemen in. Uh, in terms of creating the edge, he has a really high IQ pass rush plan, meaning his ability to, this guy is stopping my bull rush, I'll get into a swim or I'll get into a rip. This guy has cut off my corner, I'll spin inside. Usually those are things that take, especially guys who are speed rushers, takes those guys in the NFL because usually if you're better, it's the Alex Wright factor, right? I'm just better than you in college. I'm just going to run around the edge, get on your shoulder. Can't do that in the NFL. So he's got a high level IQ 
in terms of counter moves already. Um, obviously, he'll he'll need to be better against the run. He gets moved out of there occasionally, only at 250 pounds. But if you're looking for a guy who is athletic, long, long arms, again, plays with great extension, real bendy, right? So we talk about there's snaps where Miles, Miles' shoulder is almost on the ground. That's what makes Miles, you know, you can talk about all the moves you want. What makes Miles special is his ability to bend. And, and that's what Isaac does really well. When I watch my film, he bends really well, obviously not the highest level yet, but that's a guy that, you know, in later rounds can give you some value pass rushing for sure. And, you know, this year is going to be a year where they are going to be playing so many mobile quarterbacks, so many dual threat quarterbacks. And I think you need really athletic, athletic defensive linemen that can, that can bend and that are twitchy and that can get, um, you know, that can get to the quarterback or near the quarterback, wherever he is, because they're going to be all over the place this year. Uh, so do you think this is a guy that can fare well in those situations? Yeah. And then, you know, when I start, when I start looking at line uh, edge guys and later around you've got to have a high ceiling, right? You can't, you can't top out of what your skill set's going to be. The guys have to be long athletic and, you know, a year or two from now are going to be outstanding, or at least you think they're going to be outstanding. And that's what he gives you, you know, and the length has really come in because of the quick game, because of the RPOs, because of this thing, knocking the ball down is now not just a random thing. That's something that's got to be, that's taught in the NFL and at college and even at high school, you got to be able to get your hands up as well on this quick game. So long enough to do that six, four, big, long guy, uh, long arms plays long. So yeah, I think he's a guy who can help and, and contain really, really run, runs well in space too. It's it's hard to put Andrew Barry in a box, but I will say when it comes to these pass rushers, that's one of the first things I kind of look at when you look at the testing numbers mm-hmm. is you know, arm length, wingspan. Um, you know, Isaiah McGuire was 33 and 7 eighths inch arm length. Alex Wright was 34 inch arm length. So um, to your point, that's something that he seems to really value when, when he's mm-hmm. looking at edge rushers is is the length and, and the arm length and, and things like that. Uh, so give us your sleeper now. Uh, sleeper is a, is is kind of a very kind of uh, thought process, right? He his guy's name is Gabe Hall. He's out of Baylor. He's six five two ninety. Um, he's a just kind of a you know I don't want to say he's a three technique or a five technique. He's just a big raw athlete. Uh, kind of has an Alex Smith would be my Alex Smith would be my you know who I would compare him to now. He's got doesn't have a ton of moves, but has a ton of ability and an up, upside that you can't teach. You can teach guys a bunch of different stuff, but you can't teach twitch, twitchy. You can't teach length. You can't teach some things. You know, you got to talking about a guy who's a 500 pound bench guy, a 465 power clean guy from the floor, 750 deadlift. So he has all these incredible numbers. He's going to jump out of the gym. He does a lot of things really well. Occasionally, he looks a little stiff. Occasionally, uh, he doesn't look like he bends very well. But there's just some physical features about him that you just look at him. I mean, there's sometimes he just makes a play even at in, in at the power five level that he's just bigger and faster and stronger than those guys. So he's a guy late round, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round that if he's around because of his body, because his athleticism, you know, he's a guy you might take a shot on. Okay. We are going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to move to the other side of the ball, the other side of the trenches. And we're going to talk about the offensive line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. And welcome back to the <coughs> Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Lance Reisland joining us. So uh, we talked a little bit about why uh, maybe offensive line could be uh, a spot of need for the Browns. So Lance, you sent us four names and a sleeper. Let's get to it. Your first name here to watch in the NFL draft for the Browns on the offensive line. Well, the first two guys I'm thinking about what is going to happen with Jed Wills and what's going to happen at the right tackle spot moving forward. So that was my thought process looking at these guys. Obviously, all, a couple of those guys, kid from Penn State, won't be around. Uh, two guys I really like, both similar skill sets. First guy is Tyler Guyton. He's 6'7", 328 pounds out of Oklahoma. Uh, great wingspan, 82-plus wingspan. Uh, also ran a 5.1040. That's really, really good. Gave up zero sacks at right tackle. Um, he's NFL body ready. Great length. Uh, the thing I like about him, and, and I say this about, is that the Browns, Kevin Stefanski is a pin and pull. He's a counter guy. And I think with um, Dickerson, Dickerson runs a backside tackle trap called a dart. And those are going to be, I think, the foundation of the run game. And you need tackles that can move. And you need tackles that can get outside that pin block by Njoku, whoever it is, especially because I think they're going to condense the formations and get out and run. So they need to pass protect and have really, really good feet. And this guy does. He's a, he's a, he's NFL-ready physically is he strictly an inside and outside guy or i mean some of these guys you know translate also uh to playing different positions but is he is he a tackle no this guy these first two guys are tackles only just because of their length they're both six seven mm-hmm. they're both 330 uh they're both really good you know i think about guards inside sometimes those guards and size don't move well laterally uh that's why they're guards and that's why miles garrett moves down to the guard sometimes in the pass rush because those guards struggle laterally uh, especially in that B gap, getting to that B gap. So, um, you know, these guys, those first two guys, guys, they're guys who are great length. You know, for, uh, again, these guys aren't maulers. These guys aren't in the run game. If you run zone right at them, they're not going to knock that defensive end away. But what they'll do is they'll get in the way and they can position block with their length. So they're not they're not soft by any means. But, you know, when you think about Teller and Batonio and Ethan Posick, those guys are knocking people down. These guys mm-hmm. aren't, but they athletically can get in the way and do the right thing, and they can pull and pass block. Okay, so you mentioned the the second name, uh, a guy who is strictly a tackle in, in your mind. So, so who did you have there at number two? So this is my my favorite guy in tackle. Why his name's Patrick Paul out of Houston, and it's simply because of his athleticism. He's a great athlete. He looks like a basketball player out there. Great feet, um, thirty six inch arms, and a wingspan at 87, 87 inches, which is the longest wingspanning probably at the combine this year. So he's a guy who's just a massive condor out there uh, in pass protection. Again, he runs well enough to pin and pull and get outside of the pin blocks. He can get to the second level on zone if they chip. He can pull on the backside dart play if Dickerson uh, if they install that, which is kind of Dickerson's base play from 21 with the Seahawks. Um, he can do all those things. Tremendous anchor uh, because of that length. Again, just like I, we talked about the defensive line, he's a guy, offensive line guy. Offensive line guys are trying to do the same thing get extended on the defensive lineman. So that long arm helps him get to that offensive lineman first. And, you know, something Joe Thomas did the best, and he kind of made it what it is. But, you know, offensive lineman used to block with two hands to start, you know, punch. Joe Thomas is kind of the one, got him to the Hall of Fame, where you start, you work, you don't, you don't punch somebody with two hands, you punch them with one. So all these young guys are now kind of doing it where they're using one hand to get started. And with this guy's length, he does a great job of getting that initial punch in there on that defensive end. So, again, not a killer in the run game, but really good in the pass and really good feet. How about scheme fit with Deshaun Watson? Uh, scheme fit, he's great, you know, because of pass protection. I think every everybody, ha- you know, when you hold the ball, I mean, there's times he holds the ball 
six to nine seconds. I think the scheme fit for all these guys is that you have to understand. Well, two things have to happen. One is Deshaun Watson, for his own health, there's times he's got to live to fight another day. And they have to talk about that in meetings. They have to talk about that on the practice field where, you know, there's day, there's times where you live to fight another day. Now, if you have a five or seven step pass protection, those guys are expecting to pr- protect for four to six seconds. Great. But if you got a quick game where they're chopping or a quick game where they're, the ball's supposed to be out and you're quick setting, you got to live to fight another day and throw the ball away because that's when you get the offensive lineman in trouble and that's when you get hit. So I think they need to just make sure that they, they're on the same page of when he's scrambling Obviously, improvising is what he does well, but then they just got to stay with. But sometimes it's just a matter of doing the best you can against the guy. If you if you're you know you're if it's a seven step drop, you're assuming the quarterback's going to be at about nine to twelve yards. Sometimes you're going to push him around. If he's not there, that's not always on the tackle. So they gotta they gotta figure out you know how they're going to do this and, and what the plan is to move forward. And if you look at what the Chiefs do, Mahomes does a lot of that, but they move the pocket a bunch. So moving the pocket helps helps the offensive lineman as well not always being in the same spot, especially if he's going to scramble. Okay, so these first two names, uh, Tyler Guyton, six foot seven, 328 pounds. Patrick Paul, six foot seven, 333 pounds. They already have DeWan Jones, who's six foot eight, 374 pounds. Lance, offensive linemen are the best guys in any locker room to talk to. But if they're going to be just towering over me when I talk to them, it's going to be really difficult. I don't know if I like this trend of drafting essentially power forwards as offensive tackles now. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you guys said we talked about the length. Dewan Jones is a great example of what length can do for you. So him and him and Orlando Brown are the two guys in the NFL that they, they invite defensive linemen into their chest. And if you look at what uh, Watt's best move is, Watt's best move is getting that inside arm on the chest of the offensive lineman. Dewan Jones just lets him have it because he's so long. He just lets you have he's 300, 400 pounds. He can't move him, and then he just throws him down. And that's what these guys that are extremely massive can do. They can do things that no one else can do because of the length that they have and the girth that they have. It's hard to move them. Dewan Jones is a great example. Can't move him. <laughs> Big Thanos. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to um, number three here. Well, as Mayor Case said, these next two guys you can move. I think they're some flexible guys. First guy is Nathan Thomas. He's, yeah, uh, six, we can actually do we, we can actually do them together if you want. Okay, so you got two guys. You got Nate Thomas from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He's six four three thirty one, and you got Matt uh, Gon Calvis, uh, six five three thirty two from Pittsburgh. Both guys are kind of. I think they're more. They could be moving into guards if they struggle. They have struggled at times with power, uh, speed to power guys, edge guys. So they could be inside at that guard. Uh, they do have enough lateral quickness where they can get to that B gap, especially on third down passing situations. Uh, both these guys are really good on screens. Both these guys come from an offense where they did a lot of different stuff, which I also think is very important um, coming to the pros, just like other positions. But they're, they're guys who have pulled both ways. There's guys who have blocked zone. They block gap. These are guys who have run screens both ways, so they know how to do that, who they're responsible for on screens. Um, big, big fan uh, of Pittsburgh. I think, you know, those guys, they huddle another, uh, you know, Narducci has always been a tough guy. They huddle. They, so that guy will have, uh, you know, that Gonvalis guy will have a little bit more uh, understanding of the pro style. Both guys really, really aggressive. Both guys kind of fit that nasty mold in the run game. So you, do you see these guys, do you see someone that can work into a starting guard role in two years? 
Two years, yes. Uh, initially, no, just because these, um, obviously the Browns guards are so so good. But I think with the uh, the ability to learn, and you know, I'm a I'm a uh, I was a, a, had a big crush on uh, Callahan, and I you know, you guys know I used to love to go down there all the time. So I'm really going to be interested to watch that this year because I think it was the growth of those guys had a lot to do with Callahan. So. You know, Dickerson's got a big challenge because those guys got better. And you saw that with all the injuries, how they still played at a high level. That's because they do the same thing every day. And, you know, obviously he comes from a pretty good uh, background. Uh, McVay, I think he could bring some stuff over in that. But I think the, I think all offensive and defensive linemen, besides edge rushers, unless they're elite elite, are guys that are two or three years away from being really good. And and I think it is interesting. It's, it's one of these things to watch with bringing in young guys. Um, I mean, look. It's not that Joel Batonio doesn't need coaching. I mean, he's talked about the stuff he's learned under Bill Callahan. But Joel Batonio knows what he's doing. You know, it's a lot of fine-tuning and kind of advancing your game. One of the things that did stand out with Bill Callahan and Scott Peters was that ability. You bring a young guy in, you know he's going to get better. Um, What's he ultimately going to top out at? I don't know. But you know that young guy is going to get better being in that offensive line room with Bill Callahan and Scott Peters. And that's the challenge now for Andy Dickerson. Well, you know, I had a lot of people ask me, um, you know, we did a, we've done a number of podcasts and after the podcast with you guys, I've had people contact me about Bill Callahan's practice. And one of the things I will say is that it was my, I've been in football a long time and my dad has always been uh, my role model. And there's a couple of people that have really, but watching Callahan as a coach is why you coach is why you, you continually try to learn as a coach. It's the consistent, relentless day in day out never a day off never a different day never a different mentality every single rep counts um and that's hard to say with grown men but when you watch Batonio and Teller and Posick I watched every rep for two years every rep that was in Bria for the first 20 30 minutes and those guys practice just like Froholt used to do that's why you know it didn't matter who was in there they just do the same thing every day and they work against the different fronts and things they can see and they're just like machines down there. It just they just pump them out because that's how he practices. And you can learn a lot. I know I learned a lot, even though I'm not an offensive line guy. If I ever got in coaching, I've learned so much from watching his practice every day. Because just the this his ability to get through the guys and consistently do it every single day with a relentless positive energy. That's why Dewan Jones came up the learning curve the way that he did. I mean, we watched him uh, get coached hard like that from day one. And he had the willingness to do that work and to rep it and to get it right and to be perfect about it. And he really was so incredibly meticulous. I would see him be so hard at himself. And I, I watched him just take his helmet off once and just whip it into the ground at, at the Greenbrier just because uh, he wanted to be able to rep it exactly the way, uh, you know, the other guys were doing it. And, you know, that's that that's the where the bar is set or was set under Bill Callahan. You know, when I watch when I watch Callahan, I would have, often watch him, and I would remember guys coming off and Teller. I remember specifically one time in practice, Teller had his hand uh, in the chest plate, his inside arm on the zone play, and I literally remember Callahan going over and literally moving it like three inches. So most coaches would, would let it go because it was the correct arm and it was in the correct spot, but for Callahan, it was three inches off, and it kind of always stuck with me. And every time you mm-hmm. watch a drill, everything had to be meticulous. That attention to detail is something that's thrown around a lot. He really he really lived by it, and that's why those guys are successful, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Lance, last name here, your sleeper on the offensive uh, last, line. Last guy is a uh, total, uh, just an t- athletic guy. His name's Jeremy Flax from Kentucky, 6'5". Again, monster guy, 325. 
Uh, eight hurries, gave up a couple sacks, but I really liked him in the SEC. He's from Kentucky uh, against all those really good pass rushers from the SEC. So what you get in the SEC, I don't care what anybody says, those defensive linemen in the SEC are different. And what I mean by that is that the first and second groups on every SEC team is good on the defensive line. And he really did a good job. He kind of fits all the things we talked about with the guys I like, right? He's long. He moves his feet very well on the run game. He can pass block. He's um, His run blocking needs some refinement, but he wants to block the guy in front of him, which is really kind of the the, the first thing you do as an offensive lineman. I got you. I'm going to move you against your will. And he seems like he's a guy who wants to do that. So just a guy with a tremendous athletic upside. Can any of these guys play center? Not the, not the tackles. <laughs> but, I mean, can the guards, um, you know, can they move inside to center if they had to? Um, I have not seen them. They have not played center. Um, but that being said, athletically, um, it looks like, to me, be, being center is all about athleticism. The ability, it sounds kind of simple, but the ability to snap a ball is a lot of times about being an athlete. The ability to bend, get your hand, get that snap arm back extended in terms of pass blocking. That's why if you watch the centers, what Postic does very well, which makes him so good with that long arm, uh, and you guys, it's mesmerizing, but you guys will watch this now because it's hard not to. But when he snaps, watch Postic's left hand. He will snap, and his left hand will extend before his right hand comes out. And that left hand is on the defensive lineman. That's why he's so good in pass protection because he's so long. So, um, no, I don't, you know, to say, I, I don't think because zone is zone, right? A double is a double, a down block is a down block, a reach is a reach. It's a matter of can you snap and get your, get your back into your blocking scheme. So I would assume. NFL, uh, uh, NFL caliber guys, I would assume most of those guys can move inside if necessary, guards-wise. Okay, there you go. Getting you ready for the NFL draft. We gave you a bunch of receivers on Friday. If you missed that, go back and find it on our feed and Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, the trenches today, you're going to hear from Lance Moore as we go along through the draft process. We'll probably bring back the Tim and Lance pods uh, as we get a little bit closer to the draft, try and do some mock drafts. That was a lot of fun last year. Uh, so we'll get back into some of that as the draft inches closer and closer. So Lance, as always, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us here. Thanks very much for having me. All right. And thanks to everyone out there for listening. Again, find us on Instagram, find us on YouTube. I tell you about it every time. Uh, and become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. The next time you hear from me and Mary Kay, Ashley will be back with us and we will be potting from Indianapolis. So we'll talk to all of you then. <laughs> <laughs>